Welcome back to another episode of the Eagle Perspective Podcast. I'm Mike Siciliano. I'm here with our head of schools, Rod Gilbert, and we're introducing a new series we're going to be doing that's called A Yard of Books. And uh, anyone who's been paying attention to our podcast, they probably know two things. One, Rod, you love books and reading. They've probably heard by now that I'm a football coach. So I, I look at this as I'm bringing the yard. You're a smart football I'm, coach. I'm bringing the yard and you're bringing the books is the way I maybe that. this is happening. So I just love pretending like I'm a football coach. <laughs> maybe I love pretending like I can read. Oh, there you go. So well, we're even. Uh, no, I, I actually, uh, a lot of the books we're going to talk about are some of my favorites as well. So I'm excited to, to get into this with you and, and really to learn from you. And I know a lot of our listeners will, will feel the same way. Um, this is kind of your idea. Why don't you, you talk about the vision behind this idea of, of a yard of books and, yeah. and what we're hoping to accomplish? So the idea of the yard of books is just, hey, these are the books that I grabbed off my shelf that have some meaning to me. And anybody that knows me knows I, it'd be impossible for me to narrow my top 10 favorites. Well, know? I'm looking at one of your bookshelves as we yeah. sit in here. And I mean, it'd be a lot of podcasts. It would, it would be a, be a lot, lot of podcasts. podcasts. So, yeah. So yeah. to be clear, you, these it's not like it's not like these are your you know your favorite books of no. all time. It just no. they're just books that are worth discussing. Well, as a school, obviously we're having kids read books, but I think when a community of adults are enjoying books, it has a trickle down effect to all the children's hearts. So I just want us to highlight some books from time to time when um, in the podcast to just show some families some books maybe they've not heard of yet. Or maybe they remember from years past, and it'll it'll um, reconnect with them. Maybe a book they should have in their home, and we called it a yard of books because I think every family should have a bookcase in their home, or at least some books in every single room. And I know some of the books we've picked are books that are you know really. I don't. I use the word classics loosely around you because I know you have a classical background. Right. So, but right, right. Uh, full of tradition have been meaningful to a lot of people and can sort of be staples of the home. Yeah, yeah just good solid staples. Okay. Yeah, that every home should have. And we've we've picked the term a yard because when you actually line these books up, it does measure yeah. to three feet. Yeah, it was a yard. So yeah. so it's a literal yard. A literal yard of books that we will yes. be discussing in uh, in this series. <laughs> and uh, you want to introduce the book we're going to start with? I think today we're going to start with. Uh, uh, and a very important book that helped Angie and I with our children when they were little. It was called The Book of Virtues by William Bennett. And I found out today in preparing for this that you actually were aware of The Book of Virtue. So my my parents used to do this thing that I would always kind of roll my eyes at growing up, which was like at least once or twice a week, there would be like a text and a, a discussion, right? Wow. A Bible text or something that we would do as a family. And this will shock you. Usually they would like read the text and ask a serious question. And I would try to say the funniest thing that came to my head that, rather than taking it seriously. I, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That makes um, perfect sense. Yeah. But as I grew older, I came to really appreciate this tradition. And we still yeah. do it now sometimes. Okay. So the Book of Virtues was one of right. those books that was kind of on our shelf. Right that my parents loved and that they would pull out and read stories and, wow. and we would talk about and, and all that. So it's really cool. Yeah. So we kind of got both ends of the spectrum here. Yeah, you were you were receiving the Book of Virtues as a child in yes. your home and I was giving it to my children as a young 20, I guess I was probably 25, 26 years old wow. when we first came into contact yeah. with the Book of Virtue. 
What is the Book of Virtues? So, what, uh, as best as I can understand it, um, William Bennett and his team just went looking for uh, the essential fables that uh, Americans all have often heard, and they arranged them these various stories around uh, core character traits like courage or mercy, and so you could take each of the stories and just read it. It's read aloud, the great read alouds with children. And then it just gets them talking about what happened in the story. So it's, it's a way to, like, we all know the story of Hansel and Gretel. You know, don't, don't go wandering off in the woods. You right. Know? And, uh, but Bennett did that with just a very wide range of stories that he thought are a sort of part of the moral fabric of our country. Yeah. yeah. So see, like, as a kid, I would have taken Hansel and Gretel and I would have said, so obviously the lesson here is don't eat bread. Right. Exactly. If you, don't eat bread, you were a low you don't carb have a kid. Problem of a low carb kid. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I looked at the list. I, some of the ones that stand out to me were uh, the traits that they're kind of all it was yeah. like uh, discipline was yeah. one, loyalty was yeah. one, faith was one. Right. And so it's sort of a collection of of stories that all point back to these values or virtues, yeah. I should say. Yeah. So, um, so why is it important that a family would do this? We know this from not just our own growing up and what we hear, but even research shows the most impactful person in a child's life for the mother and father. And it said biblically, the primary mentor of a child's heart and mind is the mom and dad. I mean, we teachers are really subcontractors helping the mom and dad do their mentoring. So for children to hear their parents actually talk about virtue in, in really a fun, entertaining way, even though you're rolling your eyes from time to time, you know, it, it's important for the kids to hear the parents tell stories that the kids can remember. Yeah. Around the dinner table or, you know, out on the back porch, you know. So you may not have realized this as a child, but so for the, for the listeners, if you take a, a chapter like loyalty, there might be 18 selections within that 50 pages, right? And they're little, they start off small, like a, maybe a poem or a sonnet, or a haiku, or then it yeah. moves to a short story, or uh, a part of a letter from someone, and then it's really, it, then it moves to these larger short stories, and you'll see some Aesop's fables, you know, the right. tortoise and the hare, or whatever. Yeah. But one of the things that Angie and I loved most about the Book of Virtue is each chapter is arranged age-appropriate. Hmm. So the opening of the chapter is built for like five-year-olds. Yeah, see, I had no idea. And the last story it's brilliant. is really high school level. Yeah. And so we found ourselves as we would work through some of the ch- some of the chapters, the children were little. Yeah. And we would just stop and we, we would read it. Or actually, we, the world, we, Angie would read, yeah. Angie read the whole book. We would stop where it was age appropriate, where we wouldn't confuse them. And then we'd jump to the next chapter. And we knew that Bennett and his team had arranged it age appropriately. Yeah. And it, it made it... For us young parents, we didn't know what to get or how, you know, what books to go get at Barnes & Noble. And it was just nice that someone had arranged an age-appropriate uh, process for right. us. So I don't know. I didn't, yeah. yeah, I had no concept of that at all growing up. My little ones now. So now I have a, a, a about to be six and about yeah. to be three. So, so they I, both sit home at night and just read their Bibles and they just sing. Well, and they pretty, get they make your dinner for they're, you. They're, and that, is that what the between four p.m. and seven p.m. Yeah. is like? That well, by by six p.m. they're already pretty tired of reading their Bibles because they're like thirteen hours <laughs> in. So we usually we usually don't make it quite to seven. Look, we we call four p.m. to seven p.m. the bewitching hours yeah. because they start to fall apart. Yeah, mom and dad are tired, and then you're chasing around. 
trying to get a bath after dinner, and then the dishes. Who left the oven on? Right? Yeah. Am I describing your life? <laughs> to a Mine tea. are now adults now. To but, a tea. but getting a bath, and then okay, can we get one more glass of water after snack? And then there was the yeah. call for milk or whatever. Yeah. But there was we would curl up. A, we would get just read a book, just read something with them like this, and it calmed everybody's heart down. Yeah. TV wasn't going to do it. Right. And uh, so it's all the more reason. It was a nice way to close the day with a little entertaining yeah. story. Yeah, that's good. So would you guys read the stories out loud together? Did you take turns? Did you have a certain rhythm around it? Uh, the rhythm, it? and and Angel probably heard this podcast, Absolute Truth is she did 90% of it. Okay. And uh, at that time, uh, I'd be listening in, but she was more the dominant reader and um, of those times. Yeah. I think she read... Angie read the entire Harry Potter series out loud, out loud to the children, That's and I awesome. was working trying to start a school in the other room. Yeah, listening to the whole Harry Potter thing through Angie's narration. There are some stories that we think we know, but we don't really know because they've been changed by modern mm-hmm. our modern age. So the original Pinocchio was written by an Italian. Yeah. Uh, Kaladi, I think was his name. And then Disney bought the rights a long time ago, and they made it their version. Yeah. And I had an adult friend give me a copy of the original, and I have a distinct memory of reading it to my son at night with a flashlight while he was practicing his free kicks as an eight-year-old out in the, side, at the front yard of our hmm. In our front yard, he had built a goal. And um, he would stop me reading and yell at Pinocchio for doing something stupid. Like, <laughs> he'd be off in the dark somewhere, and I'm just um, reading it out loud. Yeah. But there was, he and I both have this distinct memory of just reading together, and he was being entertained about whatever dumb things Pinocchio was doing. Yeah. You know, I, I was entertained by it. What's the value of reading out loud? Uh, there's something about the shared experience that takes us away from the screens of the day, and the fact that I got to be in control of the pace, mm-hmm. And uh, I think just reading aloud, too, is um, it's got to be something about acting out the characters for the kid to show the kid you're in. I mean, I guess if I was flat and boring, he would have called mom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there any particular stories from the Book of Virtues that stand out to you? The short story, oh, Henry's short story, The Gift of the Magi. Okay. Have you ever heard that story before? I have, I have, but why don't you share with our audience? What an out, by the way, if I had it, right? I could just say, I have heard about it. <laughs> please share with our listeners. It, it's one of the more famous short stories in American folklore. And uh, it's, the, it's uh, a very young married couple, very, very poor, like in the 1920s. And um, they have no money for Christmas presents. As she has absolutely gorgeous hair. So she goes to the wig maker and sells her hair and buys him a gold chain for his pocket watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's so proud of it. And then he comes home that night for Christmas Eve and uh, he had sold his pocket watch to buy her fancy combs for her hair. Yeah. And the, the mutual... Uh, sharing of each other's prized possessions for each other was just a great it's story. A, it's a beautiful story. But it's those kind of things that kids don't forget. They don't forget little stories. There's some that are really yeah. attached to them, like yeah. that one did for me. I had no money my junior year in college, and I was trying to express my love for this amazing girl in college named Angie, and uh, very intimidating because she's so pretty, and all my friends said, 
she's out of your league, but I thought I'd go take a shot at it. So we were dating it for just a little while. I was very nervous. So I went to the school library and checked out a copy of The Gift of the Magi, and I used my printer card in the with the copier, and I literally printed each page, and then I cut out each page and stapled it and wrote on the front of it, Merry Christmas, Rod. And that was my Christmas gift to Angie when we were dating. All the ladies listening are in tears right now. She has it in her little keepsake box. That's that's And she mentions it every Christmas. That's beautiful. Well, it's beautiful, but I was a dang fool, just madly in love and not that bright. So the gift of magic means a lot more in our home because Angie's retold the story that Henry told, and then she's retold that I did that. Yeah, so which is beautiful for your family and yeah, your kids to know they're part of that tradition. Yeah, now they retell the story. Like yeah. Dad did something really right. weird. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was a confirmed nerd a long, long time ago. So the cynic would say about that story, mm-hmm. "What's the point of that story? They had two prized possessions, and now they have zero. That's right. Right. That's right. So if your if your five year old says that, like, wait, you told me this was a happy story. It seems like a sad story. They both." Lost two things that they love. Yeah. What's well, the message? Well, but the, the message is they were, they were willing to compromise the, thing that is, the, the worldly possessions they loved most for the covenant marriage that they had mm-hmm. for each other. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that their marriage grew stronger as a result of that by sacrificing a prized possession. And, of course, my, I, think that one of, I think one of our kids probably said, well, her hair is going to grow back. But I think, you know, those those types of lessons really are the thing that stood out to me as a kid, which was it's it's not, you know, yes, they both end up with, you know, quote unquote nothing, but the value of knowing that you're in a relationship where you're both willing to sacrifice material things for each other right. outweighs even having those things. The, the so, relationship is more important yeah. than the things. Yeah. I mean, I, I know... This is not the Book of Virtue, but I had never read Les Mis, mm. but it's 1,300 pages. Before you go too far, that is in the yard of books. Yeah, I know. So, I stuck it in there on purpose. Okay. So don't, I, don't tell too much about it now. I'm only 200 right. pages in. Oh, okay. And uh, my mom and I had agreed to read the whole thing together. And she read the whole thing in 30 days. She called me like, feeling all guilty. It's like, Rod, I read the whole thing. Well, she January. doesn't run a school. Too. I know. She said that. She's, yeah. a, she's a saint, if you yes. meet her. But... There's a moment, that story that you may recall from the musical where uh, Jean Valjean steals the candlestick Mm -hmm. and then he gets caught and he comes back and the bishop, who could have put him in jail forever, says, you forgot the other one. Yeah. You forgot the candlestick. Right. And uh, he gave him the other one. And so good came from that uh, bishop giving up a material good for an eternal good. Right. And uh, so that's just power story. Yeah. I think for us as a school, it's us nurturing and encouraging the parents and our employees, our team members, just to, to find ourselves to be rich in reading, just reading anything. How important is it that they actually remember the stories, you know, two decades later? Not that much. It, it's, it's, uh, it's more of the mood that mom and dad had some deep sort of values down in their heart and soul. And it was important to, to, the, to the child that my mom and dad took time out of their day to just read stories to us. And the, the memory of that is far deeper. And so for me personally, uh, I can remember a little purple book that on the front of it said bedtime stories mm-hmm. that after my brother and I would crawl into bed, my mom would crack open bedtime stories. 
and uh, for this podcast, I looked it up on a used books. There's actually five volumes oh, really? uh, of wow. bedtime stories, like about a used bookstore. And I don't remember one story from it, from that those moments. I just know that my mom knew that it was important to teach me about courage yeah. or, or whatever whatever it was in those stories that it was important to her and it was entertaining enough to um, it's how I finished my day as a child you want to cultivate a child's uh, desire to pick up a good book because without books as adults you're really living a short life yeah. and you're, you're shortchanging yourself if you think that all of life is going to come through Twitter and uh, Facebook and your yeah, whatever cable like, news it's only like 85% of life comes through those things yeah only 85% yeah, yeah. And, you know, not to dovetail into a, a tangent that I'll get yelled at about later for getting us off topic, sure, Rod, it's but fine. it's not any different than, in a lot of ways, what what we do as a school with content. Kids don't remember yeah. every last bit of content. Oh, my gosh. I but, can't believe you said that. You're know, now giving the I know, secret I, away. I know. They're not going to remember every math problem that we present <sighs> to them. How dare you. But there are principles and uh, sort of... Um, critical thinking practices or yeah. brain patterns yeah. that are developed and solidified long after you f- you f- forget the That's content. Right. That's right. 80% of the content, I think is what research shows, 80% of the content is lost on children by the time they're adults. It's what we're creating are, are sinews in their soul and their mind of how to attack problems, right. how to live a virtuous life, how to live a life of courage. And, or how to solve problems, whether it's math, engineering, law firms, or plumbing, whatever it is they're doing. Right. But a, a lot of schooling is are training the muscles in the soul on how to attack a problem. Right. Or how to work with a group of people. Yeah. yeah. And so this, this book is, or this really collection of stories yeah. is a tool for parents. It's a conversation starter. Yeah. That over time we develop this muscle of, okay, so what is courage? What does it look like to be courageous? Yeah. Was, um, was that one of the, I mean, what was one of the chapters, like when you were looking at, which the, one stands out in your mind? Well, the loyalty one was interesting, was interesting to me. There's so many nuances to loyalty. I got thinking about, so what is loyalty, right? Is there a simple definition? Mm-hmm. And and I think the value of having like a whole series of stories on loyalty to get it, well, does that mean you always agree with the person? I hope or, not. Right, of course not. So it just stood out to me as like, huh, interesting choice. Hmm. Um, and, and then, but as I thought about it, it, it was sort of like, you know, gosh, maybe that's even more important now wow. than when I was a kid as we have all these you know, connecting points online and right. social media and right. lots of sort of self-centered, you know, what's what's best for you, do whatever's best for you, yeah. right? And, you know, you got to look out for number one. Yeah, we've fed a new level of narcissism and yeah. self-interest. And loyalty implies that I, as a human, to be more human yeah. means to keep short accounts with people, forgive people, and then hope that they forgive me from time to time because I'm going to flub it up too. And uh, that that hasn't that that's being lost, uh, I think, in some of our humane moments here. And I think it's loyal to principles. Sure. And then you partner with people along the way. Yeah. Well, thank you once again for joining us for our Eagle Perspective podcast and our new series, A Yard of Books. Uh, we look forward to revisiting this topic. You can listen to more of this series or any of our other Eagle Perspective podcast episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other places where podcasts are found. We look forward to joining you once again in the near future.